Right. Y'all got to sing five songs. I get to preach five sermons tonight. All right, let's look in uh, 1 John. Let's look back in 1 John tonight. We was in 1 John last night. Be in 1 John tonight as well. 1 John chapter 2. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. All right, 1 John chapter number 2. Nathan picked on me for preaching so long Sunday night. I didn't bring no uh, sermon outline again tonight. I preached short last night. Amen. So I keep looking at those things. It reminds me of something else to say, so I just won't look at one. We'll just see what comes down from the heavens tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and for your grace tonight. Pray that you would help us. Help me to preach, O God. Help me to say uh, what's necessary and what's needful. We'll thank you for all that you do. Thank you for these folks that's come out tonight. God, I pray you'd give them a special blessing just for coming. Lord, I, I know that folks come to church uh, looking for a blessing, looking for direction, looking for guidance. And Lord, uh, whether or not I uh, do uh, what I'm supposed to do well enough or not, God, I pray you'd bless them for coming. And Lord, uh, help them and use them and be merciful to them. And I pray the same things for myself. Help me and guide me and be merciful to me. We thank you, God, for all you have done for us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for paying our sin debt, oh God. We pray that you'd help us tonight, God, to get something from your word that'll help us, uh, God, draw closer to you. We talked about fellowshipping with you last night. God, I pray that you would help us to draw closer to you, uh, to get help from you, to learn from you, to be preserved by you. And with, Lord, we know all these, those things come from you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, nice, wonderful message for you here tonight. First John chapter number two. Nice, sweet uh, sugar stick. Amen. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. <laughs> Get out of the way before people start throwing stuff. Well, listen, this is a this passage of scripture pretty straightforward, isn't it? It, it, it? I said sugar stick. I wasn't really joking about that. Look how that starts off. My little children. Now, John wrote that, and I, I like the way John writes. John is by far the nicest preacher in the Bible. Uh, I've said this a hundred times. I say it a hundred times more. There's no Joel Osteen's in the Bible. Uh, there's just nobody like that in the Bible. There is nobody like that. No Bible preacher talks with the lisp. Not none of them. Amen. Uh, they're all men. Amen. They're all men, and uh, they're they're pretty difficult sometimes. The prophets, the the preachers, the teachers, the the uh, the Lord's disciples, the apostles. They're all pretty straightforward, pretty blunt. The Bible uh, only had so much space, and they didn't waste any time. You know, they didn't waste any time like that. They generally didn't have anything good to say about men. Didn't generally have anything good to say about women. Very few, very few times you'll find the Bible making a big deal out of man. Once in a while it'll say such and such was a great man, or such and such was a great woman, and you can look at them, but those people also had faults and failures. And when you sum up everything about it, the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. And I think we've, uh, I think we've come a long ways towards just trying to hide that fact and, and put that fact aside when really that's the only reason that we're here. 
The only reason that we're here is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And if that wasn't true, we'd be just another religion. We'd be just another religion. And so we get the idea that, uh, and don't get me wrong, I believe there's a benefit to doing the right thing, uh, to doing the right thing and trying to do right and do good. I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's not, but we've come to the place where, uh, where even Christians have this idea. Well, like, well, you know, they deal with, uh, they deal with atheists and atheism and stuff like that. And I'm going to say this. Please don't say amen because it ain't right. Uh, people say, well, you know, I'm going to live my life as a Christian. And you're going to live your life as a sinner. And if I'm wrong, I still lived a good life. But if you're wrong, you're going to hell. That's not good theology. The Apostle Paul said, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And if there's no God and if there's no Christ and if he didn't die for your sins, you're wasting your time here tonight. If the, if the evolutionists are right and you're just an animal, then, uh, then go out and look and see how the rest of the animals of the world live. Uh, the strongest dog gets the most meat. Amen. That's the way it goes out there. And uh, we're not animals, though. We're men. God didn't make us to fight over our, our bread and our meat and destroy our neighbors in order to become more powerful and, and become the alpha male and stuff like that. God didn't create us for that. God created us as men. And then men walked away from God. He did that willingly. Men did that willingly. And every problem that you've ever had, and I, I don't mean, maybe somebody else did cause you problems. I'm not taking that away from you. Maybe, maybe something that you're going through, maybe somebody else did cause that. But that doesn't take away from the fact that every one of us has caused a great deal of problems for ourselves. We are sinners, and if everybody else was excluded, we'd still be a sinner. If you took away all the faults and all the trouble that people ever got you into, I will admit that somebody probably did get you into trouble somewhere along the way. But also somewhere along the way you got yourself in trouble and probably got somebody else in trouble. And if, uh, if you're the only one you ever got in trouble, then I congratulate you. You're one of the few on earth. Amen. Uh, but what, I, what this passage of Scripture here says, this John, I think he's the, the sweetest of preachers. He really is the, the tamest, and you don't, but man, when you come right down to it, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. He still has the same message. You can, listen, you don't have to be mean every time you preach, and you don't have to, and I, you know, I told somebody the other day that I was a mean preacher. I'm not really a mean preacher. I'm really not. I, I, I don't try to be. I don't try to come off a certain way. And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just that when, uh, when a man preaches out of the Bible, it's going to be contrary to man. It's going to be contrary to the flesh. It's going, to be, it's going to be contrary to just giving in to all the worldly pleasures. The Bible's contrary to that. And then because so many of us, and I don't say so many of you, I say so many of us, enjoy the things of the world and the things of the flesh, is that when somebody says something about it, we get upset about it. It seems mean to us, but... Even the nicest preacher in the Bible says, hey, don't sin. Don't sin. What a statement that is. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Last night we preached out of the first chapter of 1 John and we stopped at verse number number 8. We didn't really, we read it, but we didn't preach out of verse number 9 uh, or 10. But the Bible says in that verse, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, 
and his word is not in us. So uh, wouldn't, I be, wouldn't it be reasonable if I said to you uh, that we ought to just at least admit that we're not perfect, that we are sinners? Uh, if I was a real nice preacher, I'd say we make mistakes. And, but if I was a realistic preacher, I'd say you did that junk on purpose. Amen. Oh, preacher, I just messed up and got, in a, I got myself in trouble. No, you did that on purpose. Uh, you, you were presented the option. You weighed the cost. You saw how much fun it was going to be. And you did it. You did it. The Bible says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Uh, I think maybe... Uh, it didn't used to be this way, but now preachers have been going to camp meetings for all the wrong reasons for over the last 10, 15, 20, maybe 30 or 40 years. And they've heard this time after time, don't grind no axes, don't grind no axes. We're not here to hurt nobody. I got, yeah, listen, I've been to so many camp meetings where they opened up with that line. Now we're not here to hurt nobody. We're just here to encourage one another. Well, listen, I'm telling you what, sin's still trying to hurt people. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, the wages of sin is death. That ain't never been false. It ain't never been false. Sin is still a snake wrapped around the neck of every individual trying to choke you out. And you could be the very best man, the very best woman in the church with, the, with every intention of serving God. I commend you for it. But I know back there in the back of your mind lies the same kind of fleshly, perception that I got in my head and everybody else has got in their head and it's saying, boy, I might just like to try that. Even if you never tried it before, never had no inclination to do it. Got out in the world, listen, you could have been out in the world in the past, been a Christian young man, a Christian young woman, and everybody, else, uh, that you, everybody within your sight was doing it and you had the fortitude to say, I'm not going to do that. There's still something in you that says, Maybe I might want to try that. And if I could get away with that, I would. And the Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. The Bible says that which is not of faith is sin. So, man, this thing is, the, the idea of sin, the, the, uh, the, I hate to use the word philosophy in church, but the philosophy behind sin goes so deep and is so deep rooted in the heart of man, it's hard to escape. And so what in the world, the, uh, John just said, now listen, listen at the contradiction, and this is not a contradiction in the Bible, but it, it's, a, it's a great contrast in the Bible here that looks definitely like a contradiction. He says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Yep. That says one thing, doesn't it? My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Oh, you've sinned. Point number two, don't sin. Okay, I agree with you, John. I'm not going to sin. If you say that you have not sinned, you're lying. You're not the truth. You say, that's kind of a circular thing. That would drive me crazy. It is a circular thing, and you are crazy. There's not a person in this building that's not psychotic. Every one of you is psychotic. Psychotic. Every one of you are bipolar, and some of you are tripolar and quadpolar. You're a bunch of nuts, and I'm a nut. This preacher up here is a nut. There ain't nobody that's different. You look at guys like politicians, and surely the mayor of Folkestone is a good person. 
But he's just a sinner just like you. Oh, that guy's a police officer. He, and that guy's a fireman. He rescues little kitty cats out of trees. He's just a person. He's just a sinful man. That's all that he is. That's all that he is. Uh, that, like I said, you know, you, uh, I ran into that lady. I knew you, she said, I knew you was a preacher. No, you didn't. I, you didn't have no thought of me being a preacher before I told you I was a preacher. And I've talked to them. They said, I know you're a good person because you're a preacher. No, no, no. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And that's all that I am. That's all that you are. And the, the thing that surprises me is that people get mad about that. And man, people go to church and they, it's te- uh, we had a testimony a while ago. I kind of fiddling around hoping somebody else would take their opportunity. But people will stand right up. I'm so unworthy. And you preach a sermon on how unworthy they are and they change their membership. I got to go. Got to go. But we just don't realize what we're saying. We're saying we're unworthy because we went to a church meeting and everybody else said they was unworthy and they cried. And it was such a good time and it was such a moving moment. You just get involved in it. You don't even realize when you said you was unworthy, that was true. We got such a high opinion of yourself then. And I said, I think I said something about this on Sunday, and I don't want to uh, belabor the point too much, but I don't recommend uh, self-esteem very much. I don't also, uh, now, people, gotta, people tend to take what the preacher says to extremes. Uh, I also don't recommend you just beat yourself up 24 hours a day either. Oh, I'm so bad, and I'm so terrible, and I just, I rooted that kind of, you know, I don't go that way either because... Uh, I am saved, washed in the blood. Uh, be, I, Paul said he was the chief of sinners, but he also said we're the sons of God. So which one you want to hang out with? See, I told you you was bipolar. You're a son of God and you're a sinner. So at least you're a bipolar, right? And don't you find that conflict going back and forth? I'm so conflicted. I find myself wanting to do this and I find myself wanting to do that. See, I told you you're bipolar. You are bipolar schizophrenic and got, most of you got ADHD too. everybody's got well you know just oh never mind my kid preacher he's got ADHD so do I so, we, we all do we all do uh, but listen you, I say don't have self esteem but don't beat yourself up 24 hours a day either I mean you tend you're going to you're going to tend to you're going to tend to gravitate towards what you're thinking about most of the time at all. Man, you can say, well, I am a sinner. Boy, I shouldn't have done that. But I'm a Christian. Boy, I need to get that thing right and ask God to forgive me over it. And I am God's son. I am a rascal behind closed doors. But, man, I tell you what, I've got to get that thing right. And remember who you are. You are a sinner, but you are saved, too. And if you're not saved, listen. Come join the schizophrenic party, amen? Get saved and get a get new nature because that, uh, that sinner is going to be put in the ground and it's going to rot and be seen no more. But that saved part of you is going to go be with heaven forever. And God will dig up that rascal one of these days and even change it. Amen. I had a dream last night about my old preacher. And I remember him when he was old, 74 years old and he had all kinds of health problems, and he was an old man. He was overweight, and, and uh, he still had a full head of hair, so he had me there, amen. Uh, but I, I seen him in a dream last night, and he looked like he was a 32, 33, 34-year-old man. He still had gray hair, but he had uh, 
the, the, the appearance of, uh, you know, a guy in his mid-30s in his prime or whatever the case might be. I think I hit my prime at 15, been going downhill ever since. Uh, but, boy, I looked, I looked at him, I looked over there at him and looked like an angel. I guess he is now pretty much, <laughs> amen. Uh, but one of these days, God's going to take this vile body and make it like unto his glorious body. And I've had plenty of reason to be down on myself and say, boy, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I, I can't believe a preacher do something like that or think something like that or act like that. You ever blowed your top? Man. Uh, but, man, I can't believe I did that. can't believe I did that. And everything that's in me that causes me to do stuff like that and everything that's in you that causes you to do stuff like that, one of these days God's going to take you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to remake it Amen. with yeah. a perfect mind and a perfect body. Yeah. And from then on out, you just won't even have to check yourself anymore. Sometimes I think I'm going to say this to that guy. Well, I don't know if I should say it or not, uh, and usually I go ahead and say it, amen. And then I think bad of myself for it afterwards. But at any rate, uh, you know, I, I, I try, I look in the Bible and see what it says. I try to take God's side on the, on the matter most of the time. That don't make you many friends. And you know you're a sinner yourself, so that makes you feel bad about yourself. That's a battle within itself to stand up for the right thing, even though you know. But I don't know any men that wouldn't sinful men. They still had to stand up for the right side. Uh, how would you like to be a, a, a regular mortal man and hand out 600, uh, reg, 600 laws, most of them moral regulations about how people was to act, knowing you was guilty of most of those same things? My soul. My soul. But men can do that. Say, oh, people's hypocrite. He's a, he, he's a hypocrite because he's just as bad as us. No, but no, you, the thing you don't realize is God told us to stand for these things. And when the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that not many wise and not many noble are called uh, to, to preach the gospel, that's because a wise man, a noble man, uh, all he's got on his mind is his reputation. If he feels like a hypocrite, he won't be able to take God's side on the matter. He said, well, you know, David did it, so I guess that guy can get away with it too. And we're not, we don't, we're not really here to hurt nobody. He don't want to offend nobody and don't, don't want to hurt nobody. He wants to help people, and I'm not saying he's not being sincere about that, but the Bible tells us where our help comes from. Our help comes from the one that died for our sins. Amen. And to deliver us from sins. And so he says here, my little children, well, first of all, he says, he says uh, uh, back in chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And you may as well, if you're saved already, you may as well stop deceiving yourself. See, he didn't say y'all. He said, we. Now, this is not John before his conversion, and he's not talking to people that are unconverted. He's talking to people that have already been converted. And he said, we. We. If we say, not if the world says, or if the flesh says, or if the devil says, if we, born-again people, born-again Christians, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What's the message for tonight? The message for tonight is, is that Christians ought always to keep a repentant heart. Never forget who you are. Never forget who you are. Never forget you're a sinner. Never forget that you're giving yourself a daily opportunity to, to just get a little further away from the fellowship with God. We talked about that last night. We won't go back over that tonight, but the Bible says that, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. 
If we walk in darkness, he said, we have no fellowship one with another. The further you get away from God and into darkness and away from the light and into darkness, and the more you allow and the more you permit, and well, we're just all sinners, we can't help it. The more of that mentality that you permit, the further you get away from fellowship, not relationship. God is our Father. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. You say, you believe in being once saved, always saved? I absolutely believe that. You say, why? Because I wasn't saved by works. I can't be kept by works. But that doesn't take away. You see, the Bible says, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God created us to do good. God created us to do good works. The Bible says, be zealous of good works. Well, I want to do something good. I want to do something good. When I was serving the devil, served him wholeheartedly. Amen. And how much more does God deserve that? Amen. And then some, some folks was born and raised in a good home, raised in a Christian home, and uh, didn't have to see some of the turmoil and raised up in church. And sometimes it seems like those folks are just the coldest. And they have kind of a... Uh, Republicans, conservative type of a Christianity where as long as I just raise my kids and, and uh, you know, don't drink no beer, then I'm a Christian. Well, that's not the case. Listen, if you're raised in a good home and, and uh, you're still saved by the grace of God. If you've never been to a party, you're still saved by the grace of God. If you've never said a cuss word, you're still saved by the grace of God. If you've never been to a rock concert, you're still saved by the grace of God. Listen, rock concerts and Budweiser beer did not get you lost. Amen. You was born in it. You was born to it. Amen. The Bible says men, that a man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And that's not any bad remark against the woman. Amen. Not, well, you see man born a woman. No, that's not saying anything bad about any woman. It said the man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He's born to trouble like the sparks fly upward, the Bible says. And do they, do they fly upward? They sure do. And the trouble comes, doesn't it? Well, I've never been drunk. That has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. But the, that Bible says that we are, that God has, uh, that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Ephesians chapter 2. God got a good work for you to do. God got something He wants you to do. And you can't do what He wants you to do if you're not in fellowship with Him. What you want me to do today, God? He said, you're going to have to read your Bible to figure that out. Amen. God, tell me what you want me to do today. I done told you. It's in the book. Get in there and read. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Lord, what you want me to do? Get in the book. Now you can, that asking him what you want him to do, you can spend five minutes on that or five hours. If you can pray that long, you've got that much time in the day to pray. Pray up. Then when you get in your Bible, God will show you what to do. Yeah. Amen. And so, but what I'm trying to say by that, First John chapter 1, he says, uh, let me read it again to you. He says, this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. He said, well, will you get mad as you can be if somebody just said, you're a liar. Kind of offends your sensibilities. But if you're trying to pretend that you don't have no sin, and that you're A-OK when you know good and well you come short on a regular basis. I know that. I know that about myself. 
I'm not trying to preach hard or preach legalism because I'm something. I preach it because it's true about all of us. This thing is true about all of us. And the only way you're going to stay close in fellowship with God is to remember who you are naturally and who He is spiritually. Those two things don't gel. You've got to find some spiritual ground in order to walk with God on. That's why Adam was hiding after he ate that fruit. Think about this, folks. I mean, people... Or people, as we go forward in, in, in this world, as the church goes forward, we, we allow more and we allow, allow more and we allow more. And as the preachers preach on things less and less, then the Christians begin to pick up more and more things that they allow in their lives. And we forget that God separated himself from Adam because he ate a piece of fruit. That he was, if, listen, if I came in here and preached against eating strawberries and apples, you would flip your lid. What in the world does that preacher talking about. He's senile, crazy fella. But God split fellowship with Adam. And I'm not saying you can't. I'm, I'm trying to let you see how, how sensitive God is to these matters. If he broke fellowship with Adam over some fruit, how, what would it take for him to break fellowship? With, lose your temper? Fly off the handle? Cuss your wife out when you're the one that deserved to be cussed out? Yeah. Well, I don't know if anybody deserves to be cussed out, but fussed. We'll, we'll exchange the word for fussed for cussed, all right? So nobody gets no ideas. Did he just say I could cuss out my wife? No, no, he didn't say that. Didn't say that at all. But man, uh, uh, something small like that, drinking a half a case of Budweiser, or half of one Budweiser, yeah. would that... Would that break fellowship with him? My old preacher, that old preacher I was talking about a while ago, he said if, if uh, ten beers makes you drunk and you drink one beer, you're one-tenth drunk. He'll just leave it at that. And, but, listen, Christians are arguing about that today. Well, I believe I can yeah. drink. Amen. Yeah. Well, yeah. the recovering fundamentalists, they're sitting around drinking beers on their podcast and talking about how bad these old-time religion folks are. I guarantee you they'll never crack a Bud Light and sit down with Jesus. Guarantee that. I guarantee you that. Amen. If, if you're trying to justify keeping Budweiser in your refrigerator at home, I guarantee you uh, when, when the rapture takes place, you won't stop by the fridge and take yours with you. I just guarantee you that. You argue and use all the verses or whatever, whatever way you've wanted to convince yourself that that stuff is right and good, I guarantee you're not taking your habits with you when you go. Amen. 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 Wages of sin is what? Alcohol ever killed anybody? How about tobacco? Well, you said, okay, I'm going to help you out because I know you're sitting there wanting to say, what about sugar? That ever killed anybody? Hey, preacher, you drink Coca-Cola. Okay, pray for me. Next time you get the opportunity to preach, lay down on it if you feel that way about it. But you know good and well what, what I'm saying is true about that alcohol. Where do we, where do we go after, after we justify the alcohol? Where do we go with it? Weed? Smoke a little weed with Jesus? That's where it's going. That's where it's going. When they, was trying to legalize, when they were trying to legalize uh, homosexual marriage, Somebody piped up and said, next thing they'll be wanting to include kids. Oh, we never would. What a bigoted statement that is. We would never try to, uh, you know, advance toward children. What they're doing now. 
It's always going to advance. If people are trying to justify it with all their might, there's something wrong with it. I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that. And I, I know I got off here on a little bit of line of what sin is, but man, we've, we've come a long ways in the opposite direction. Uh, in our camp meetings, in our revivals, in our Sunday by Sunday preaching, nobody wants to hear nothing negative at all. But I'm here to tell you that taking care of some of these negative things give you more joy than you ever imagined you wanted to begin with. People are, people are coming to church on Sunday morning and their mind is twisted in so many directions and they want peace and they want joy and they want some preacher to help me, help me preacher. Go to camp meetings and the preacher wants you, help my people. If I give you an opportunity to preach, don't grind no answers, help my people. When they don't realize that a, a repentant heart, just get down on the altar and say, forgive me Lord. If you're like me, you'd have to say, Lord, I can't guarantee you I won't do that again. But it, that's not the point. The point is, God, there is no satisfaction in a life of sin. Forgive me of it. Help me to draw close to you in fellowship with you. And I'm not, I'm not trying to teach you to go ahead and condone it as long as you say forgive me of it. I'm just saying you've got to change your attitude toward it because the wages of sin is still death. I don't care if you're saved or not. That's the plain fact of the matter. And so if it's your, your favorite soap opera or your favorite movie or your favorite actor or your favorite rock and roll group, whatever it is that just keeps your mind pointing in the direction that you know God don't want you to go in, you need to face up to the fact that the plain commandment from the nicest preacher in the Bible is, my little, sin, my, my little children, these things I uh, write I unto you that you sin not. That's what it says. And that's the attitude that you ought to have. Do I believe for one minute you're going to spend a whole day without sinning? Absolutely not. Neither does, does John. How do I know that? Well, we read the rest of the verse. And if any man sin. Now, isn't that another contradiction? Isn't that another contrast in thoughts right there? Hey, Christians, don't sin. But if you do, well, I wish my mama would have come at me like that when I was a little boy. Michael, you better be in this house by the time the streetlights come on. And how would I know? There wasn't a streetlight near our house. <laughs> you better be in a hole. You better be in this house as soon as the sun goes down. But if you don't. That never, that never crossed her mouth. <laughs> but this man that's writing this book right here, he realizes who people is. Yeah. Amen. I was talking about that a while ago, that self-esteem versus self-loathing. Uh, you know, watch how, you know, good you say you are. But you're saved by the grace of God. But don't get weighed down on yourself either. Listen, that's my boy over there. He's also talking. Hey, stop that. Uh, see, notice I didn't say, hey, dummy. Oh, you know, call him a knothead. Why? That's my boy. Now, this book right here is talking to sinners. My little children. Don't sin. Don't you see the attitude there? Man, I can't tell you how many strict mamas and daddies that's going to teach their kids how to do the right thing have tried to bully their kids into doing it when they know good and well they can't live that life either. Just can't do it. I'm telling you, it ain't going to work. You say, well, ain't we supposed to discipline? Yes. But that ought to be the worst thing you ever have to do. I'll tell you what I do, boy. I bust that kid's backside. You enjoy that, do you? 
I don't get that. I don't get that at all. You say, well, God punished sin. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. The Bible said that God doesn't punish you. You're not his son. It's my responsibility to punish my son, to correct him, to get a point across to him, to show him that he's going the wrong way. Or, hey, how about showing him the right way to go, too? Amen. Amen. Catch him talking like that. Hey, be still, boy. But when he says amen, paying attention, get home, say, boy, you did a good job in church tonight. Amen. You know, one of his jobs is to uh, sweep the floor. And that's about the worst floor sweeping individual you ever seen in your life. (laughs) And sometimes I walk in and say, boy, you missed this stuff over here. And watch him sweep, man, I tell you what. Oh, I'll get to that later. Boy, this is not a good job over here. You need to get this done. Sometimes I'll come in and look around it bad. Oh, you've done a good job, boy. Did a good job. Just like that. But man, sometimes I say, sweep the floor. And I'll go off and do something. I'll come back and watch him. And he'll have his broom. He'll be down on the floor like this. (laughs) Trying to get all this junk up off the floor. (laughs) And I'm like, boy, what in the world are you doing? Sweeping the floor. I'm not sure this is my son. (laughs) And then I think, no, that's my boy right there. And I'm sure God's looked at us trying to do something we ought to do. And we're like, man, we're doing it in the stupidest fashion possible. I mean, it couldn't possibly be done any stupider. Amen. Like some of us, some of us southern boys trying to talk English. <laughs> we fall down sometimes, don't we? Well, actually, we, we talk right. Everybody else talks wrong. Yeah. But I'm sure God's looked at us sweeping the floor like an idiot and said, you're doing fine, son. Just If the broom don't get it, the backside of your bridges will. <laughs> I'd hate for most of us to go through our lives cleaning up our messes by the seat of our britches. Amen. After a while, you get good at it, and you start to wear suits and ties and stuff like that. You halfway look what you do, look like you know what you're doing as a Christian, maybe, but maybe not. But maybe not. I mean, you can't really go by what everybody else says. Is uh, you know, uh, people got their ideas about what a Christian's supposed to look like. I think it's just supposed to look modest. Uh, most pe- most places I can't even go to church and preach because I got a beard or something like that. Don't always wear white shirts. That kind of stuff's just foolishness. That's just foolishness. Uh, modesty is the thing. That you, I mean, is that a good work? I guess it's a good work. It's a good testimony. Uh, man, man we, there's so many kinds of modesty. Modesty of the mouth and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to preach on that. I'm just saying this thing is so complicated. If, he said, don't sin. That you sin not. It's pretty direct, but if you do. Because it's inevitable, isn't it? God looks at us just like I look at my boy trying to do something. He said, why don't you just teach him how to do it? I did. I did. Do you remember being an uncoordinated kid? Take the broom and say, now, son, you do it like this. And you sweep and you sweep and you sweep and you sweep and you sweep. And then you grab it like this and you bend over and hold the dustpan kind of lean it up against your neck so you got some leverage and sweep it up in there and take it over and throw it. Got it? Yes, sir.
He knows. <laughs> Amen. And so do you. Amen. The Lord said, do it this way. Well, <laughs> beating your head against a brick wall. Hadn't you been? You sure have, man. You have. And so he says, if any, he says that he said, I write unto you, these things write out unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Amen. Jesus Christ the righteous. Now look, and he is the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation is one of the best words in the Bible. And some people say that word just means payment for sin, but that is not what a propitiation is. Uh, that's redemption. Paying for somebody's sin is redeeming them from the mess that they're in. Propitiation is these two people are mad at one another, and the propitiation is somebody getting between them and saying, now what will it take for you to start talking to this guy again? Okay. What would it take for you to start talking to this guy again? Okay. And the guy that's the propitiation, he fixes that so these two people can talk again. Chapter 1 says, if you walk in darkness, you ain't having no fellowship with God. But the advocate, the best lawyer in the universe says, I've got something that can get between God and his son and fix the relationship so they can talk. And see, you've been thinking, you've been thinking that the whole point of this message is for you to quit sinning and fix things with you and God. And you can no more fix things with God as a Christian than you could when you was a sinner. And the thing you're going to have to do is say, Lord, I need you to help me. Even as a born-again son of God, I need you to help me to fix this mess I'm making so that I can retain and re or regain or retain this fellowship that I've got. And you're going to have to live your whole life that way. And if you don't live your life that way, you're going to be frustrated and you're not going to have no peace. The peace, listen, peace is not something that you can find. Peace is not something you can work for. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. And when that fellowship is there, the Spirit's there. And it's going to produce those things in your life. You'll be frustrated as the day is long, trying to do everything yourself. Listen, you can, you can start trying to keep all the rules and make the preacher happy and be in church every Sunday and just become just the most frustrated individual that there's ever been. And that's because what you're trying to do is please men. But when, your life be when you begin to want to try to please God and have a repentant mindset, then that peace moves in and that peace will sustain you to do that day after day after day after day. When, listen, when, you're, when, the, when the hem of your skirt was one inch below your knee and your haircut was just right and you didn't listen to no rock and roll and you did all the things that people said you should do as a Christian, you was the most miserable person that there ever was just because you're trying to follow rules. Won't you try to fellowship with God? rather than fellowship. You say, but I sinned. Okay, you've got an advocate with the Father. Go talk with him. He'll help you. Lord, we thank you tonight for your goodness and for your grace. What a hard lesson these are to learn. It's so simple. God, we make things so hard. These things are hard to, hard to figure out sometimes until we look at the plain word of God. We thank you for this man. So my little children, write these things unto you that you sin not. But if you do, don't forget we have an advocate with the Father. The same way we got saved is the same way we stay saved. 
God, I pray you'd help us to remember that on a daily basis. Sometimes we slip and fall. Help us not to be discouraged and give up, but to come right back to the well of grace, as the old song says. Keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. That doesn't make us a hypocrite. just means we're relying on the right source. And we thank you and praise you, God, for what you do. Drill this thing in our hearts and minds. Well, we couldn't save ourselves, and we certainly can't sustain ourselves. We need you every hour. We need thee every hour. Thank you, O oh God, for that goodness and that grace. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen.